It's the Face of Chicago Business Podcast, introducing you to the stories behind the faces, focused on fixing today's problems with thoughtful leadership and purposeful living. Sit down with us as we get to know the individuals who make our city second to none. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Chicago Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Chef Noah Zamler. Noah, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. No, it is quite a pleasure. Uh, I'm excited to one get to know you know the the artists behind the art, but also just you know from what we talked already, you seem like an amazing guy. Yeah, thanks, and likewise, you know it's been uh, a pleasure getting to know you too. So I'm excited to keep this going. Thank you, thank you. So let's start originally from uh, Michigan, right? Eastern Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, southeastern Michigan. So I grew up uh, in a, a small town called Beverly Hills. It's um, Did you say Beverly Hills? Yeah, it's That's Beverly awesome. Hills. Yeah, it's, it's a square mile, so like you always have to go through. Being from southeastern Michigan, you always have to go through, or Metro Detroit, you have to go through this like expansion of where you're from. It's like, okay, where are you from? I'm from Metro Detroit. Oh, really? I'm from you know, Metro Detroit, too. It's like, oh, okay, well, I'm from Southfield. It's like, oh, I'm from um, Farmington Hills. It's like, okay, well, I'm actually from Beverly Hills. But <laughs> if I say Beverly Hills, especially from the beginning, nobody gets anything. So mm. you just have to like establish the... Do you know where this is? Do you know where that is? Do you know? Okay, so I'm from Beverly Hills. <laughs> so small town. Yeah, yeah, it's a square mile. So not a whole lot going on there. Um, there's different like little small towns. Like the suburbs in uh, outside of Detroit are a little more like the neighborhoods of Chicago. So like I the place that I <clears throat> grew up, the closest downtown area was a lot more like Andersonville would be. So gotcha, gotcha. Um, but it's its own town. So gotcha. it was nice for that. Um, growing up. There was no, no reason to go downtown. Um, I mean, even like when we would go to basketball games there in Auburn Hills. So we didn't go downtown really ever in then uh, downtown Detroit. And then when after I you know moved back to Michigan, um, Detroit had gotten a little bit bigger. So I got a couple jobs at restaurants down there. And so you started seeing this kind of restaurants were kind of the first step in the semi-resurgence that Detroit has had where you know you started having these nicer restaurants and not just restaurants but like chef-led restaurants yeah right, right? Mm-hmm. so it was definitely you know it's like they kind of started this whole farm-to-table thing because what mm-hmm. Detroit has that Chicago doesn't which is a good thing that Chicago doesn't is that there's so much open land in the city limits so what started to happen is these urban farmers would come in and buy up city lots and plant farms and start farms so the farm-to-table concept in the city became this, that you're not even going outside of the city. You're right. going down the street. Urban farms, right? Yeah, which was something that really resonated with me and I thought was so cool because we started building kind of this community of different chefs and different restaurants and these farmers. And so, you know, I could say when we're serving lamb, it's like, okay, this lamb comes from Tony. Like when we get, you know, we're getting... <laughs> this kohlrabi these be- we were getting these beautiful kohlrabi for a while and it's like yeah andy grew that from fish, you know fish eye friends it's pretty like cool some something so cool that we would just we were able to put faces to the names and then beyond that that i would go down and i would pick up the produce from these farms and so it's like you know i go down and andy's got a new tractor and he's like yeah you know you guys bought us this tractor and so <laughs> just to see that kind of growth and everything was so cool and um it's definitely something that i'm passionate about you know, you hear about all these supply chain issues and it goes down to the fact where it's like, why do we have such a big supply chain that's able to break down like that? You know, if you have these immediate connections where you're getting your meat from this guy, you're getting your vegetables from that guy, 
then you don't have that supply chain issue because you say, I can go down there, I can grab it. You are the supply chain, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's not getting held up in customs. It's not, you know, there's not truck drivers that are overworked and underpaid. It's yeah. not anything like that, so. And that's how it used to be, but unfortunately, we, we lost our ways, right? Like, yeah. A little bit of greed, or a lot of bit of greed, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But for you, where did that passion come from? Because, I mean, even hearing it, uh, you were young when all this was going on, you know, in, in terms yeah. of even... We were talking earlier, your your first job uh, in the restaurant business, you were only 14 years old. Yeah. So, I mean, that passion really just came from my family. I have, you know, on one side, it's a big Jewish family, and on the other side, it's a big Italian family. So everything centered around cooking and eating. And, um, you know, my earliest memories are being in my grandma's kitchen and helping her make cannelloni or holding out pasta to dry on my arms, which, <laughs> yeah. Um, you are getting tricked into Yeah, I was getting tricked into <laughs> Uh, my mom being the genius that she is when we would make tagliatelle, you know, you, you have to dry it out for a little bit. And so she had three kids under eight years old and um, we would hold the pasta out on our arms and see who could hold the pasta longest. So really what she was doing is getting three kids to stand still for as long as they could and made a game out of it. But we thought we thought we were the smart ones and we were the ones that were winning. So smart lady. Yeah, it's always been just a big part of kind of my identity and it just all kind of made sense. So. When I turned 14, I, you know, I needed a job and I went into a restaurant and I said, you're going to give me a job. And they said, well, you're 14, you're not going to work here. And I said, well, I'll come into work tomorrow. And if I don't do a good job, then you can tell me and I'll be on my way. And I guess I did a good enough job that they let me keep coming back because, you know, I, I don't know how the laws are in Chicago or in Illinois, but in Michigan, like when you have somebody employed at that young, you have to deal with the school because they want to make sure that these kids aren't just going and getting a job and forgetting about their education. So sure. like my boss had to have monthly, <clears throat> monthly talks with a guidance counselor. And, you know, just like, I think about how lucky I am to have gotten to the point that I am professionally and that all these other people that helped me along the way, not even just like my grandma and my mom, but like my first bosses who are taking this extra step to be able to, help me in in the long run so it's been it's been really great and you don't ever get anywhere without the people around you absolutely, so absolutely absolutely and, and for you i mean 14 years old right i, I mean I, at 14 i don't know if i would have been that bold and said hey you know i'm not yeah. leaving until you give me a job right kind of thing <laughs> or, or i'm coming back here whether you like it or not even though you said no uh, but you had been through some adversity uh, early on in life right yeah and, and, and tell me about that just so, yeah, my dad passed away when I was 11, um, which isn't, you know, that's not ever a good thing for anybody. Right. So, um, And you are the youngest of Yeah, of three, I'm the youngest right? of three. So I have two older siblings. And um, so it kind of even my, my first, you know, I guess my first, um, not professional, but my first stint at uh, making food for other people was that, yeah, it was that when my dad got sick, he, he actually was blind for two years before he died. So... Just everyone kind of had to help out a little more around the house. And I saw everything that I could do as a way to alleviate stress from my mom's life and, at that point, my dad's life, too, because, you know, he's somebody that's been able-bodied for 43 years that right. now he's he needs somebody helping him around the house and he needs help up the stairs and stuff like that. So, But you had to grow up quick. Yeah, I had to, you know, so I, I, I thought to myself, what's one thing that I can do that's going to, you know, just take something off of everyone's plate? So I started making school lunches. For my brother and sister. It's amazing. <laughs> so, it's amazing. Yeah, so I'm, you know, nine years old, excuse me, uh, getting up early 
and making school lunches until my brother's a senior in high school. So it's like, you know, I always think about it that I started doing that so young and I think about it from the other side of you where my brother's 18 years old and he's coming down the stairs and he's like, I'm late. Where's my lunch? And you know, it's like just this, the, the two sides of the coin where he's like, he's had it his whole life. And so it's the, it's his expectation of thinking like, where's my lunch? Why is my, where's, and so it's like, and then I'm like, sorry, sorry, I'm running late. I've got it. And, and you know, yeah, at that point, I'm that's like crazy. 15, though. So. What a dynamic. Did you find at that point at all getting like creative or was it just trying to accomplish no. the, like, the was, task at hand? Yeah, it was mostly peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> um, and then some kind of fruit. And and even then, it's like I thought of this as like this grand gesture that I'm doing for my mom. And then but like she's still the one going to the grocery store. She's still the one you know, buying everything. Right, so right, right. I'm like, I'm helping out. I'm, but, in reality, but I'm sure it had to be a huge help. And not only that, but just to be where you're at in that work ethic, right? I think it shaped yeah. a lot of who you are that I don't think without those experiences, I mean, who knows? Right? Yeah. Who knows what happened? Yeah. yeah. It's tough. You know, I always tried to look at that as <clears throat> because you, everybody faces adversity. Everybody has tough times and it's never the, the, what you've gone through or what you've done it, but it's how you react to what you've gone through. Absolutely. So, you know, I could easily have taken anything that's happened to me in the past and say, well, I've got a crappy life, so I'm going to be a crappy person. But I've always tried to take that as say, I've been through so much. And so when I see a random person on the street, they've probably been through a lot too. So you don't want to treat them any differently than you would treat somebody you've known for 10 years. Absolutely. So... I mean, it sounds like you had great parents more than anything else, you know, yeah. to, to teach you those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and still, I mean, yeah, my mom's still a very big part of my life, Absolutely. and she's great. She's yeah. She actually owns a pasta shop. That's, so that's she's, incredible. <laughs> yeah, so she's taught me a lot of a lot in the ways of making pasta and that a lot of the ways in working hard, you know, when she opened her pasta shop, everyone told her it was going to fail because it was, it was right around that 2008 kind of big market crash. And so she went in, she said, I'm going to open this shop. I'm going to lay the tile. I'm going to do the drywall. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get everything myself because people are telling me not to pay contractors, not to do any of this, not to put any money into this business because it's going to fail. And it was also during the recession, right? Yeah. yeah no, yeah. It's not from doubting her, but right, right. then now we look at it 13 years later and it's like, <laughs> wow, you know, it's, you've, you've really built something and she's, you know, it's a small community in, in the town where she has her pasta shop, but people walk in and they shop it. It's, it's her shop. It's not... You know, it's not Primi Piatti, it's yeah. Monica's Pasta Shop. So That's amazing. That's, yeah. pre- that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I love it. And it's always fun going back because she's like, oh, this is my son. And then everyone's like, oh, your mother's so great. She's such a nice <laughs> And so, you know, you just like, you love hearing stuff like that. So What does she think about the, the press room and the menu and everything, you know? She's, uh, unfortunately, she's only been able to come once. Okay. So um, just the with the pandemic and and traveling and then her store too because she works there six days a week so um but she loves it and she's what's more important to her than kind of like i i guess the menu and anything else is just like the people that i'm working with that they're respectable and that they're going to treat me well and so i was very very fortunate that the owners are great people um they're very considerate and you know they don't look at it because i've worked for people where it's like I own this restaurant, you work for me, whatever I tell you, you have to do. Whereas there, they're much more collaborative. They're like, we own this restaurant, but if you treat this place, if we treat you like you own this restaurant, then you're going to treat this restaurant like you own it, and you're going to work harder. Because, and it's not like a manipulative thing, it's that 
if we show you respect, you're going to show us respect yeah. instead of <clears throat> if we tell you what you're going to do, then you have to show us respect. Absolutely. So and I think it's just tapping into that, that person's, you know, true talent and, you know, and, and, and allowing that freedom, which sounds like you're, you're getting there. And even some of the ideas that you were expressing, the menu's great. I, mean, I, go there, <laughs> I love it. And yeah. it, it's a big change from when you said it started. Right. So before we get into the, I guess the, the press room itself, how did you end up in Chicago from, you know, Detroit, the Detroit area. Yeah. Um, so my fiance, she, we were, we were dating at the time, but she, um, got accepted to a couple different grad schools for sociolinguistics. And, uh, she ended up taking the job at Northwestern or taking the, accepting the program at Northwestern. So cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great, great school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny cause she has kind of a chip on her shoulder from going to Eastern Michigan university, which is kind of like U of M's little brother. Sure. And she's like, well, it's just not like the name and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then now she's at Northwestern, which <clears> it's <throat> like, you know, if you're looking for a name, that's a good name to yeah, have. Yeah, so yeah. Um, she moved out here in 2016 and I stayed in, or 2017 rather, I stayed in, uh, I was living in a town called Hazel Park at the time. And then I moved out here in 2019. So what were you doing? Uh, I was working, I was the, uh, uh, an exec, uh, sorry, <laughs> as the a sous chef, and then I was the executive chef at a restaurant in Ferndale, Michigan. So nice. Um, that was where we really were able to cultivate those relationships that I was talking about earlier, um, where just these farmers, and it's just, it's such a different feel working at a restaurant, and it kind of goes back to like the trickle down of the owners being nice to the chef and being nice to their employees, and then also just when you see, we would have farmers coming in the back door. And dropping off their produce and you so you see how proud these people are of the tomatoes that they've grown and then you look at that tomato differently and you say i'm not just going to throw some sugar in this and call it ketchup you know i'm going to really treat this tomato like a tomato i'm going to make when i make a dish i'm going to make the tomato the star i'm not going to make you know a pork chop right. with tomatoes it's going to be Garnish tomatoes it, right <laughs> you know and so um that then goes into your cooks and you're like these people are really caring. These people are really showing that they're working hard. Not just they're not just working for a paycheck. The paycheck's obviously important because that's how you that's how you live. And I'm not going to sit here and say we we can pay people ten dollars an hour because they love what they do. That's not realistic. You, know, you need to live. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, but when you instill that like love of the craft and just when you talk about these things, then people work harder and people are more passionate. And people are more excited about it, and it translates then to your front of house staff too. And then that translates to the customer. And then people come in and they see, why is this tomato dish, why does this tomato dish have three ingredients? Why is it tomatoes, whatever and whatever? Mm -hmm. And it's like, the purity. Because of the tomato. Yeah, <laughs> like, because we want you to taste this tomato that yeah. was picked from a vine this morning. And we cut it, we cut into it and we put it on the plate. Like, we don't want you to, we don't need to doctor everything up. Yep, and we've yep. gotten so crazy with this. You know, not nothing wrong with, um, but like I think about these like ice cream flavors that we have now, and it's mm -hmm. like butter, pecan, toffee, caramel, gingerbread, smoked licorice, and you're like, right. what? Yep. Like why? What happened to vanilla ice cream? What happened to good <laughs> ice cream? What happened to like just good simple things? And but I think also what you're saying too is this idea of of you know love, right? Mm -hmm. That that I mean I've heard it many times, and, and there are some people who truly get it. But this this energy that you put into things, when 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 you treat it with that passion, that respect, that love, it translates into an experience for that person eating that food, right? That it's mm -hmm. not, I mean, something that's made with love does taste better than something that's just thrown on there. Yeah, I I mean yeah, I think so. It just and more so than, 
I think, or rather alongside love, it's just, the, it's really the care because when you put, yeah, when you slap a tomato on a plate, like I can, I can cut open a tomato and put it on a plate and it's not going to yep, taste good. Yep. But then when you just think about every step along the way and you start to think about what, where was this tomato grown? Why was it grown? Who was it grown by? And all of those things, it becomes more than a tomato and you yep. think about those things. So. No, that's amazing. And so now fast forward, you, mm-hmm. you, you end up in Chicago, right? You fought in, in this press room. Now your first, uh, your first stint in Chicago. Um, no, I worked at, um, Bad Hunter before that. Okay. Oh, that's a great place. Um, yeah. yeah. I loved Bad Hunter. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it's not no longer, but. Oh, I um, didn't realize that. Yeah. They closed pretty much a lot of their business was from, uh, like private events. Mm. And so they did well in dining, obviously it was yeah. always a busy restaurant, but they would do corporate events and caterings and everything like that. So when the pandemic first hit, cause they're right there on Ron Randolph, yep, yep. you know, when the pandemic first hit, they had to look at it and say, we don't know when we're going back to that. Our rent's astronomical. We can't sustain this for three months. Little did they know they would have had to sustain it for, you know, almost yeah. two years now. So yeah, yeah. they made the right decision, but, uh, it was sad to see them go. Yeah, yeah definitely. Absolutely, absolutely. Love all those guys still. They're all great people. And, keep in touch with most of them so that's awesome so now when you go to the press room though originally like you'd mentioned before was that it was a wine bar mm-hmm. and really no no emphasis on food at all yeah so they started the emphasis on food kind of definitely before i got there and then um one of the owners jeff williams uh who was the chef there uh before he um he had some wrist problems and so mm-hmm. they kind of got into this like you know it's it's prime pandemic you know this is uh, July 2020. So they're kind of looking at it where they, they've started this upwards trend of adding food. So they start out with just like kind of meat and cheese boards, and then they do meat and cheese boards, some vegetables, they throw on some proteins. And so then they kind of have to take this step back because he's like, I can't, the, the restaurant is very small kitchen. And so it's the crux of it is him. And so he's like, I need to take some time off. We can't have this we can't keep going upwards with me taking time off. So then they kind of take not, not really a step back, but just like a pause on everything. Mm-hmm. So they focus more on those meat and cheese boards and kind of like more bar food and, you know, cause it's a wine bar. And so then we see that we've got 25% capacity inside. And so I come in and I need a job because <laughs> Uh, not only do I need a job, but I've been working since I'm 14. So yeah. I don't know what to do <laughs> when I don't have a job. Like I, I have hobbies, but. And you like legit have been working since you've been 14. Yeah. yeah. And so like I have hobbies and everything, obviously, but you know, it's like I need a job. And so I get the job there and they we're kind of talking about, well, how do we bring our check average up? Because if we have people coming in, which. There's nothing wrong with people coming in and getting a meat and cheese board and a bottle of wine. But when you have, when you go from, you know, 15 tables to five and you have people sitting there for two hours and you know spending $60, then that's just not enough revenue to sustain a business in West Loop. So we think about how do we get people to start actually eating dinner there? And it's, you know, there's a lot of ideas that maybe they're not all good, but We've got one shot, so you know we've got to kind of go with it. And it kind of started out with adding that pasta, where I was like, pasta is something that's easy for me to do. I've been doing it since I was holding Tagliatelle in my arms, and it's something that kind of makes 
it feel more like a restaurant. Like if you go somewhere and you see like, okay, they've got these things. Oh, they've got pasta. So mm-hmm. I can, it mm-hmm. kind of like gets your foot into the idea that you can eat dinner there. Sure. And then it adds like a couple other things too. Like now when you come in, the, the tables are set up for you to eat. When you come in, there's a plate, there's silverware, and there's a napkin. And so then that also kind of trains your mind where you're like, okay, this is a dinner thing. So like, oh, even if you're coming in just for drinks, you sit down and you're like, oh, well, we could get some appetizers. We could mm-hmm. get some, you know, and even if it is just getting you to actually get that meat and cheese board that we still have on our menu or if it's oysters or if it's whatever it is, it's still more than just that one round of cocktails. And so then we added a couple more entrees. We've added, you know, we've added a lot. And it's always been this kind of coming at everything with an open mind and saying, what if we add this? And me thinking in the back of my mind, like, well, if we add that, you know, it's probably two more hours of work a week for me and blah, blah. And it's like, if you say it's easy to say no, but if you say, you know what, let's do it, let's figure it out and we will figure it out. And it's kind of been just a snowball of that where you're like, can we do this? I don't know. Can we do this? And then we do it and we can. And so I think it's important, especially as you know, I'm 27 now, so, you know, I, I still consider myself kind of a young chef. Um, and I think that's important to, to kind of say yes to all these things early on in your career where you're like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And, you know, it can obviously get overwhelming, but just to try and know your limits still, obviously, I'm not saying like take a job where you're working hundred hours a week, but when you say yes, you get more experiences and then you can build on those and those are building blocks and you you know, it's, it's building a better foundation for you to finally get to your full potential and reach Absolutely. whatever you can do. And one of the things, though, that I was really impressed uh, by you is that, you know, and, and, and it's easy to say, yeah, here, here, yeah, it's add two more hours to this, you know, for whatever I'm doing. But that, I think it's a little unfair just in the sense that you're not operating under the same, I think, premise that a lot of us would, which is, you know, the speed, efficiency. You're also looking at not only the quality, but also, you know, the impact that certain ingredients make. Like one of the things that we talked about was garlic and how mm. you don't go out and get already peeled or you know, pressed <laughs> garlic that you're actually sitting there doing it yourself. And even though some, you know, some others have, have said, hey, why don't you uh, just get it already peeled? You're like, no, you know, the impact. And, but explain that to me a little bit about what goes into that decision making as you, you know, determine how much time is necessary to do something. Like you're adding a little bit of time to yourself. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I've always had, I was, I was raised with, you know, very sustainable mentality and kind of always just had that in the back of my mind. And it's, you know, is me sitting there peeling garlic going to stop? these farms from having children peeling garlic? No. But is me buying that garlic from a smaller producer making more of an impact on that smaller producer than just one person buying? Yeah. So it's like that, I think it did, it started when I was younger, but it was more reinforced going back to that thing where I'm saying like, when I go down to these farms and this guy's got a new tractor, it's, it's not, it's, not only because I'm buying the garlic from them, but that's a part of it. Absolutely. You know, it's like, and I love that you, though. I mean, I think we look so often at that <clears throat> at what we can't do, right? Or, or you mm-hmm. say, Hey, if I give up uh, on this one little thing, what impact am I going to make? Mm-hmm. Right. But what, like, as you're saying, if you reshift that focus, that it's going towards someone else. So mm-hmm. it's not so much that you're taking away from having someone, you know, get a Ferrari because <laughs> You know, that's they're in that the garlic business, but like you said, that someone could get a tractor and expand their business and, and bring that dollar back to your community. I think it's so important and such a, a positive way to look at something that I hadn't even looked at. Yeah, and and like 
it it feels weird talking about it in some senses too because then you it sounds like these people are like indebted to you which it's not even that it's you know it's kind of like it's a, relationship, a friendship right? yeah. yeah or a relationship where you're like so if i let somebody borrow my car it's an inconvenience for me but i'm going to do it because i'm friends with them because i you know right. i have a relationship right. with them and so it's kind of the same thing where it's like when i'm buying all of this when well, the restaurant or whoever it is is buying all of this from a specific person you know and then like there's there's been times where we're short staffed at the restaurant and i'll call him up and he's like yeah you know what i'll come by i'll wash dishes for a couple hours and no it's way like, yeah and then i'm like okay it's just a couple hours though and then this is a, a very specific instance i'm thinking of right now and he's there until like you know one in the morning washing Jeez. dishes and i'm like dude go home like you and he's like ah oh, it's fine it's fine i'm like it's the middle of summer and i'm like what time are you getting up to to farm to do your job and he's like i'll probably like sunrise you know four or five and i'm like what are you doing like, please go home. <laughs> yeah and he's just like well you know like you guys do a lot for me i do a lot for you like that's it's it's so much nicer than if i'm buying christopher ranch garlic like and then right, i go right. to them and i'm like hey uh can i uh get some a bag of free garlic and they're like no what are you talking about like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you you've paid a minuscule amount in the drop of millions that we're making so we're not going to do it we don't right. need to do anything for you there's right. no mutual relationship there so how do you see that in terms of chicago i mean i, I don't want to say that we're we're a big city right i mean yeah. we are and we're not as big as some of the other ones but uh, and still kind of have that 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 small town or community feel right where you, you know you know people or you go out yeah. somewhere and get recognized but um you know detroit do you think that's it's just it's easier there uh, you know to do well, and you think it's something that we can do here it's it's easier to do in detroit because the barriers of entry are smaller so to buy a, a lot in the city of detroit and plant some vegetables is i mean you can do that for under 10 grand oh wow so um i think in the city of Chicago, it's just kind of that you have to be a little more creative in how you're doing it. So you, maybe I'm not getting a turn up from down the street, but that doesn't mean that there aren't loads of great farmers that are in the city outside of the city limits that are still that are still small town guys. And there are still people that you can make that difference to. And it's just figuring out how to how to find out how you can do that. Yeah. And, you know, it's we're in Chicago, it's bigger, bigger scale. So everything's going to be bigger scale. So that it's just about relating and, and kind of like funneling that into the same thing. Because if a restaurant in the city of Detroit is doing, you know, a million dollars a year, that same restaurant you put it in Chicago, it's doing two. So if that That's farm true. is doing, you know, is selling 200 pounds of tomatoes in Detroit, in Chicago, it should be selling 400 pounds. Sure. So everything can get scaled and so you're not going to find these like one person farms but you find family farms you can find you know slagle is a great family farm that and they're pretty well known in, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a ton of places in chicago and so they might be past that point of getting a new tractor but they're still doing things the right way and they're still taking care of their products and there still is that kind of sense of a fam it is a family farm right absolutely absolutely so it's just kind of trying to and it's not easy because um you know if, you, if you're ordering everything from cisco they deliver every day they you know you're going to hit your minimums because you're delivering every you're getting everything from them yep. whereas like with slago delivers once a week and so it's just mm -hmm. a little more planning and a little more just kind of figuring out how to work that into your system but it's for me, it's very important that it does get worked into your system. And, you know, maybe it's that 
when they can't deliver to you, you say to them like, Hey, listen, I'll, I'll drive out there. I will, I'll find a way to get out there and I'll, I'll pick it up. Yep. Cause then when you offer that, then, you know, and, and you do it, it's not about just offering it, but then they look at that and they're like, okay, this is something that's important to you. And they see that and they see how important it is. And then that just, it, it is this snowball effect where it's like, they see how it's important. Your cooks see how it's important. Your owners see how it's important. Your servers see how it's important. Everybody sees that it's important to you. And then if they're, you know, a kind, decent human being, then they think, okay, I'm going to make it important to me. Yeah. You know, and so it can come from everything. It can come, come from if a mistake is made, just how you react to how the mistake is made. You know, it's not like you don't need to throw things at people. Like it's not, that's not how everyone's a human being. That's not how you should be treated. You should be treated with respect and I'm not going to lie and tell you that I've never gotten upset and I've never yelled at anybody, but you know, maybe it is when you do get upset in the moment and you yell at somebody, just taking them aside an hour or two later and say, Hey, you know, like, I'm sorry, I got so upset back there. I'm sorry I yelled at you, but I, I just need you to understand that why this is wrong and how we can, I don't want you to feel like you're being punished. I want you to feel like, how can we prevent this from happening again? Absolutely. No, I love where your head's at. I mean, like I said before, raised by great parents so obviously <laughs> it comes through but what's the what's on the horizon for you what's next for, for chef noah um well so we've got a couple more um restaurants in the works so hopefully uh you know long term one day i i, I want to open a, a higher end not not like very high end but a higher end italian restaurant where because all of these things they it's a lot of work so it's a lot of labor and it's a lot of it's expensive ingredients. So, you know, unfortunately we can't charge $8 for the plate of scallops. And if, you know, if you're going into a restaurant and they have $8 for a plate of scallops, you probably don't want to eat those scallops. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I kind of like it, uh, not, I don't know. It's kind of hard. I guess I'm I'm stumbling here, but, um, just like, yeah, a little higher end Italian restaurant where just a focus on, or a Mediterranean restaurant, just with a focus on ingredients. So an ingredient driven, concept where you're going in there and you know one of my first bosses he would always say that he his family eats at the restaurant and so he wants his restaurant's food to be food that he would feed his family and so it's kind of like that idea where you're like if you've got young children like you don't want them eating Doritos and Mountain Dew every day so it's the idea of like you want your food to be something that you're feeding everybody, but you want it to be something that you're okay with your kids eating. Absolutely. So, or you're okay with your family eating if you don't have kids. So just, that's kind of the, the, the small idea that I hope to be able to, you know, put on a bigger canvas one day. Well, I think you're underselling yourself. I know you'll be able to do it. <laughs> I don't think you have to hope for it. I think yeah. you're on the right track. And if you're anything like that 14 year old boy who walked into that <laughs> restaurant and said, uh, I'm coming back here tomorrow, yeah. whether you like it or not. Uh, you're you're gonna get it and so you know i'm excited for you and it's been nothing but a pleasure to get to know you you know eat your art (laughs) because it is and it's beautiful and you know just the focus that you have the attention that you have to what you do your craft but also just the way you treat your community our community Mm -hmm. i'm just excited to to have you as a part of it thanks appreciate it excited to be here Mm -hmm.